back to another exciting episode of TSLR Film New Podcast. Mitch from Planet 5D joins me today to discuss all kinds of stuff. This time we've got some interesting new camera bodies as well as some other things to talk about. But what? first, Mitch, what have you been up to, man? New camera bodies? What? <laughs> Very tiny camera bodies. Oh, oh okay. Uh, I've been doing lots of great stuff, uh, including traveling to Charlotte to give a presentation in front of a conference, which oh, was wow. a lot of fun. And I actually launched a new business, which has nothing to do with DSLRs or filmmaking or anything else. So I've been kind of busy in the last couple of weeks. Well, congratulations, man. How'd the talk yeah. go? Uh, it was awesome. Uh, I was talking about uh, starting up a new business and blogging and great stuff like that. So it was it was to a group of people who were startup entrepreneurs. Man. Which is sort of where my new business is in the direction of. Every website and blog you add to your list of things to do is just much more work. It's exponential. <laughs> oh, it, it is massive. I mean, I, I have this long list of things, you know, when you start up something new like this, you're like, oh, well, I'll just get it started. And there's, oh, you got to do that. You got to do LLC and you got to do this. You got to checking accounts and PayPal and all this other junk. It's a mess. On and my Google screws you over. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so mad at Google. Are you talking about to... SEO problems? Are you No, I tried to I tried to and this is way off topic, sorry. I tried to register a new AdSense because I want to be able to do ads on my new website. Oh, that good are luck with that. And Planet 5D. And so I registered a new Gmail and I registered a new Google account and then they said, well, you're using the same first name and last name as this other account, so we're not going to let you have one. Yep. Like, what? What? Yeah, that. Uh, if you have multiple YouTube channels, that can be an issue as well. If you try to set up AdSense with a different account, it will simply throw you out as like trying to multiple accounts. So I actually, my trick, I use my wife to set up the uh, other account. So, I mean, I don't know if that's correct or not, but there you go. <laughs> True confessions of startups, right? Yeah. On my end, I've mostly been editing. I just sent the preview files for a feature-length film that will be released uh, sometime towards the end of the year to the production group to get approval for the final edit. So I have basically been in this chair in front of this computer for hours on end for the last week or so. Uh, <laughs> editing, it sucks, man. Not my favorite thing to do in the world. But on that note, time for the news. Time for the news. Time for the news. First thing I've got on the list here, and this is actually from Mitch. I noticed it as well, but uh, I'll give him credit because he sent me Aww. a quick email letting me know about this. The hard drive space, especially for SSDs, has been kind of limited in size. In the past, you've been stuck with something in the range of a maximum one terabyte for consumer-level drives. They have, of course, sold drives that were in the two or three terabyte range in a sort of industrial you know, business application, but we're talking prices in the two or $3,000 range. Samsung announced a two terabyte drive, and this is the 840 Evo and the 840 e Pro. The Evo is slightly cheaper at $800. The Pro is about $1,000. There's slight difference in performances. One is using TLC, the other one is using MLC. For those of you not familiar, that is multi-level <laughs> control or single or triple-level control, excuse me. So it's the type of VNAN they're using. Don't worry about it. If you don't know, it's just, yeah. The... <laughs> Key things to think about here, and then I'll throw it over to Mitch, is um, actually, first of all, the reason this drive is interesting, uh, one of the reasons anyway, is that a lookup table is used on an SSD in order to find all your data. Uh, that requires a CPU as well as RAM on the SSD to find stuff, and now they've increased the RAM on this to 2 gigs of DRAM, so that's giving it quite a bit of a kick for storing all the information on the drive so they can look things up for you. Uh, the chipset is still identical to the VNAND used on the other uh, uh, Samsung drives, so you're going to see about the same performance, but they do have a new CPU on board as well. I believe it's an H label in front of the chipset as opposed to an X level. Uh, no one cares about that uh. either. Uh, but <laughs> this is an $800 or $1,000 drive, 2 terabyte SSD speeds. Mitch, what do you think about this? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, it's exciting to see 2 terabyte sized SSDs. Everything else you said was like, huh? Um great stuff i'm i'm excited that we're finally getting to the world of 
SSDs replacing my regular drives. Yeah, so I powered through that whole description because I know not many of you really care about the internals. But what's really awesome about this is a two terabyte drive means that now, I mean, that's a lot of space. That means one one 2.5-inch drive installed into your laptop is enough to handle everything. And, you know, when you're editing and you're launching apps and everything else, it, you don't have to have multiple drives installed in the laptop, so you can get down to a really skinny laptop. This is also going to push prices of one terabyte drives down uh, to a even more reasonable level. Uh, at $800 for a one terabyte drive, what's that put it at? Like about 40 cents a gig? Does that sound right? My math's fairly yes. good there so yeah 40 cents a gig that's pretty cheap i mean it's not super cheap but it's affordable and now we're seeing one terabyte drives in the price range of what like 400 bucks 350 i mean that's not bad for an ssd uh the other thing to think about too though is uh at that price range you're very close to intel's uh ESATA drives that are uh, really, really, really fast. So do you spend $1,000 on this 2-terabyte drive, or do you spend uh, $1,000 on Intel's, uh, what is it, the 720 series? Is that, Mitch, you familiar with this at all? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're funny. Okay, on that note, we're moving on down the line here to actual uh, camera stuff. I mean, what kind of read speeds are you talking about? Uh, you're going to basically, uh, with the Intel drives, you're talking like two terabytes worth of bandwidth up and down reads because it's not limited by SATA speeds. So right. they are extremely fast, um, yep, up to four or five times faster than uh, any pretty much any regular SATA SSD on the market. They are, whew, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's because I mean, I'm I'm looking at the specs on this one, and it says 550, 520 megabytes per second. That's that's pretty dang fast to begin with. Yeah, the um, basically Samsung's 850 series has been saturating um, SATA speeds for the last generation or so. Uh, you'll get a little bit of uh, dips when you're doing writes, but not enough to be significant. Um, if you're doing like 4K access, which is just really small reads and writes, it, it can slow down a little bit. But for like video editing and stuff like that, uh, these drives will basically take advantage of the maximum amount of bandwidth available. Uh, the the Intel drives, uh, I want to say it's a 720, but I should should be looking this up right now. The uh, <laughs> Intel drives uh, are uh, ESATA, so they're I mean not yet they're they're connected to your PCIe port. I'm getting this wrong already this morning. Uh, so connected to your PCIe port, they're able to push a lot more data through because the bandwidth for your PCI slots are much bigger, much, much bigger than what you get out of SATA. Uh, does that make sense? Sure. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Okay. And, and to those of us who are Mac users, it doesn't really matter because, you know, you can only shove what Mac will let you have in, inside the box. So, Yeah, you can Not like you squeeze some of this stuff in there, can't you? I mean... Yeah, but I don't have all the different options of PCI, X, and Y, and Z and that you're talking about, so... Okay, it's the the drive I was just looking for, it's the <laughs> Intel 750 series, not 720 series. I don't know where 720 came from. Uh, but yeah, it's a PCIe card that interfaces with the hard drive to give you really fast speeds. Uh, that thing is sexy, very sexy. Uh, this is sexy, too. And honestly... Uh, for anything up to 4K, if you don't have a ton of streams going, uh, regular SATA SSD will definitely do the trick. That's what I edit off of. I have a couple of one terabyte drives right now in my system, and they work great for feature length stuff. So uh, keep that in mind. Mitch, have you ever gotten your storage stuff sorted out, or are you still <laughs> thinking around with that? I'm so glad you asked me that question. Not. Um, I'm. I am gradually working through it because... You know, once you've got stuff spread out all over creation and you've got, I mean, I've got a stack of external, you know, raw drives sitting on the side of my desk over here that's (laughs) eight or nine tall. And I finally archiving, you know, cataloging them all so I know what's on them. And it's a royal pain. And this took, yes, just like that. I'm uh, in the same boat here. Um, I've been upgrading SSDs from the 256 gig models to the one terabyte and 500 gig models and uh, pulling out drives left and right. So 
making sure that you have stuff backed up properly is kind of uh, what kind of a dock do you use? Um, I've got uh, one of those. Uh, it's a three point five millimeter slash two point five millimeter. Um, I believe it's made by StarTech, and yeah. the StarTech units. It's just uh, it has a little flap for smaller drives, and you push in the bigger drives or you push in the smaller drives, and it's USB three. So right. you get basically full bandwidth out of your hard drives when you're transferring stuff. Um, yeah, well, that's what I've got. Yeah, and the, the, I think the StarTech units are what uh, twenty bucks, maybe thirty bucks. Definitely yeah, worth not, having not around. Yeah. And they provide power for your uh, hard drive, so you don't have to worry about, you know, powering it up or anything. There are some cheaper adapters for like 10 or 15 bucks that uh, have basically, it's just like a, a ribbon type thing that plugs into the back of any drive. And those are handy if you're trying to, you know, fire up, um, I don't know, a DVD burner or something like that. But uh, otherwise, you know, the StarTech units are, are pretty nice to have. Yeah, they work. They work great. Um, Chris Fenwick. I don't know if you know Chris Fenwick. Oh, wait. I don't know anybody. Know. <laughs> I, I almost beat you to it there. Uh, he's he's a Final Cut editor guy and he's got a podcast. He used to be on the Digital Convergence podcast when I was working with Carl Olson. Yeah, another cricket there, right? <clears throat> anyway. Uh, oh, now he's going to do competing sounds. Great. <laughs> oh, so, uh, anyway, Chris Fenwick taught me about those external drive docks, and they're, they're awesome. And, and they're, like you said, dirt cheap. So uh, it's a lot better. I mean, one of my biggest complaints has always been uh, I have a box which is just out of reach over here in the back that is nothing but bricks and cords, right? I mean, how many times do you buy stuff and you get a new brick, right? A power brick. I'm like, oh, man, what did this power brick go to? <laughs> you get so lost in all that stuff. So having one little device where you just shove drives in all the time and not have to worry about external power bricks is, is awesome stuff. Kind of a pro tip here, actually, whenever I get a new wall wart or device that has sort of a brick with it, I take a black magic marker and write the name of the device on it. It's not noticeable enough to make it ugly, but it's noticeable enough that if you flip it over and you see, okay, there's the name of it. This obviously goes to this thing. And then if they have multiple uses, like, for example, the one I'm using for this light over here works on hard drives as well as my Torch LED bolts. I write multiple devices down so that I know that it's compatible with different plug sizes. Brilliant. <laughs> you, know, you know what I use? What do you use? You know those little squares that come on the bread wrapper? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those clip on the cords very well, and you can write on those in black magic marker too. So, fancy. great tip. Yeah, fancy. Woohoo! All right, <laughs> moving on down the line. Uh, we've got a camera here, and this is, and I'm actually going to share my screen so everybody can kind of see what I'm looking at. This is the Sony QX1. Uh, very similar looking to the, uh, I believe, what was it, the uh, Olympus Air we were talking about last week or the week before. Uh, this is a APS-C size sensor attached to a little uh, barrel, basically. Uh, it uses the same batteries that you get on the A7S and the A7 series in general. Uh, it shoots three frames per second for photography. It has 1080p video. And I'm guessing it has better low-light performance than the Olympus Air because this is an APS-C size sensor as opposed to a Micro Four Thirds sensor. Now, that's yet to be determined because it's a 20.1 megapixel sensor. But do you own any Sony glass? Because I don't own any Sony glass. Does this look interesting to you at all, Mitch? Uh, the first answer is no, I don't own any Sony glass. The second answer is yes, it looks very interesting because I'm fascinated by this concept. Uh, modular is an interesting way to go. Uh, and I wish I could remember the name of the body that I saw not too long ago that was proposed to be a totally modular cell phone so you could add parts you know make a cell phone and make all the parts yourself um, obviously there are people like me that are mac guys that like everything all in one kit right but there are also people like you who love to be able to finagle things and put parts together but at the same time having a separate uh, a smartphone attachable sensor with a lens on it is just an incredible concept, and I can't wait to see where this goes. 
for those of you interested, it uh, looks like the QX1 is going to be priced in about the $400 range. I'm looking on Amazon right now, and it's already starting to ship. Uh, there are used prices, Amazon warehouse deals, at $330. Apparently, and I've only skimmed a few of the re- reviews because this just started shipping last week, it uh, looks like uh, it's sort of laggy when uh, you start to try and take photos with it. Um, the software isn't quite complete for phone app, the phone app yet, so... You might want to hold off and wait to see what's going on with this one. Uh, The Olympus Air, on the other hand, has been out for a while. Uh, It's been in Japan for quite some time, and there's already people developing for it. Uh, Sony is newer to this market. They did have the QX30, I believe, which was the lens and sensor all in one package. Uh, And that one also suffered from a few lags and delays. But the key thing about that one was it shot 10 frames per second. So that made it a little more sexy as a photography tool versus three (laughs) frames per second with this guy. Well, it's interesting because it actually says estimated delivery date Tuesday, July 14th. So that would be next week, right? Yes. Um, and I'm and I'm also confused because you said the Olympus Air is shipping, but you linked to the A01, which says released July 21st. So is it really shipping? Uh, it's been shipping in the, um, in the European Japan. and Asian oh, markets for about five months, six months. Uh, it doesn't start shipping as an American version until the 21st of July here in the States. So it has been available for everybody else except for us. Um, we do get a little bit of a price drop compared to what they're paying. I believe the conversion would have made it about $500 or $450 from the yen to uh, stand our currency. Uh, it's two ninety nine when it comes to the states, so that'll save you a hundred bucks or so. You can buy it on eBay right now if you really, really want it. But uh, I don't know if the menu system will be in Japanese or in English. <laughs> oh, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, not. Anyway, uh, it's really nice to see that many of these manufacturers are starting to come out with this sort of uh, sensor only system. Uh, hopefully, Canon and. Uh, Maybe a Fuji and some of these other companies will start following in the same. Can it? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah. The XC10 is basically, thinking. you know, I mean, that's a sensor with a lens on it. If they just chopped off the body, bam, now you have a <laughs> uh, cell phone compatible device, right? Uh-huh. Well, I certainly asked them for something like that back in 2011. So we'll see when it happens. Now, speaking of disappointments here, I've got this added to the show notes. Uh, the Olympus 7-14mm to f2.8 Pro wide-angle micro four-thirds lens is delayed. Uh, we were supposed to start seeing uh, shipping coming to us uh, this uh? month, actually, but uh, it looks like they're pushing it out till August now, so... That was on my buy list. Um, now I might have to wait a little bit longer. I think I actually pre-ordered that. Not sure for sure. Actually, yeah, I did. I pre-ordered that, so I'm waiting <laughs> on my own order for that. So, yikes! Kind of disappointing. Thing. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm not limping along. This is the uh, seven to fourteen Panasonic f four lens, and it's a great lens. I like it. I just kind of jones in for a little bit more low light capability with f2.8 versus f4 so that's on my list moving on okay well that was quick <laughs> yeah nothing too exciting to talk about there <laughs> um delays 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 uh that lens has actually been delayed for like a year so i mean they announced it almost a year and a half ago we're showing previews of it at the beginning of this year and then they said oh it'll be coming in the summer well now we're like towards the end of the summer and it's getting delayed till fall now so so what's the reason for that? Why is it taking so long? Uh, is it that hard to do? Uh, it's probably production issues. Um, Olympus does a really good job of making excellent glass, but because of that, uh, they will delay it as long as it takes if they run into any sort of uh, weird abrasions or something with their lens production lineup. I'm guessing maybe in the manufacturing process, they weren't happy with the results, so they're just pushing it forward a little bit. What? Huh. Yeah, Somebody as opposed to releasing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We won't name names or anything there, will we? Um, T6I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, moving on down that. the line anyway. here, uh, we've got <laughs> the Hero 4 Seasons. Uh, as we're talking about disappointments, I figured uh, uh, this is the next out. thing. Time out. It's called the Session. Session. The season. Thank you. I wrote get that right, Season. Bud. 
I was yeah. I was thinking of uh you know that game uh Angry Bird Seasons. I was there, no. Yeah. Oh. no. No. I don't play you play you play games? Uh, occasionally, you know. You never wow. know. <laughs> anyway. You must be really bored. Mitch, I'm going to throw this one over to you because oh gosh. This thing is goofy to me. I don't really see an awesome reason to move to it, but what do you think of the session from GoPro? I think it's incredibly interesting. It's one of the most vital changes to the camera market that we've had in 30 years. Okay, that's sarcasm. Uh, I find it very interesting. And if you want to read a really great article, come over to a website called. And uh, Brett Hoy, who's a new writer for us, which is which is really kind of fascinating as a sidebar. I, I put out a little call on Twitter and said, Hey, is anybody interested in writing for planet 5d? Guess what? This guy writes me and he says, yeah, I'm interested. And it turns out he works like a mile and a half from me. Wow. <laughs> and he lives about three miles up the road. So he's right here in town. So that makes it rather interesting. So all the people all over the planet and I find some guy that's right here. <laughs> anyway, so Brett's now doing some awesome writing for us, and uh, he took a look at this. And if you go to the Planet Five D article, you'll see that it's it's kind of like a snoozer for him as well. It's smaller than the GoPro. It's all in one little box. There's you know it's waterproof. You can dunk it, and of course you could say that about the GoPro, but you had to have a cage around it. So. You know, it's it's probably going to fit into certain markets where they need a smaller, non-caged thing. Um, but Brett wasn't very excited about it. Yeah, I'm looking over the specs right now. And basically, um, you have 2.5K in this guy. You have 1080p. Uh, the early tests are showing that the even the Hero 4 Silver Edition has a sharper image out of the box than uh, the Hero 4 Season. So keep that in mind. Session. Uh, session. Dang it, I did it again. <laughs> session. Session. I can read. I swear I can read. Um, really? This thing is three ninety nine. Uh, which puts it right in range with the price of the Hero 4 Black Edition. It, right. That, well, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, 33 feet underwater, maybe that's the reason that it's exciting. It's smaller, but, you know, what does that mean? It has an internal battery that you can't remove or change out. And, you know, Hero and GoPros in general have, have been known and plagued with battery issues where they only last maybe an hour at best, and now you can't change the battery out. Sweet. Awesome. Great job. You know, that'll make things way better for extreme sports people who are running around on cliffs and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, to go smaller isn't the right direction. In the, they're already small enough to, to satisfy the need. They need to make battery life longer in these units in order to make people happy you don't just go out and do something extreme for 45 minutes you do it all day long all morning long all afternoon long and if there's no way to change out the batteries on this then it's less attractive to me at least and it seems like it'd be less attractive to everybody else out of the market what do you think uh <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here bud uh i still don't use my gopro too so um, but I don't have those kind of needs. I'm not jumping off of cliffs or in helicopters and doing lots of selfies where I'm doing crazy stuff. So, uh, actually when I was at my daughter's, uh, uh, NHS induction, I did a selfie with my Canon 5D and, uh, it was, it was a joke. <laughs> uh, anyway. My yeah. kids took a picture of me doing a selfie. You ought to see it. It's hilarious. So, uh, <laughs> one of the... Way sidebar. Yeah, yeah. One of the things um, I do actually use a Hero for, and uh, my, or my GoPros for, and, and this is really handy, is is first-person perspective. Uh, in, in actual feature-length films, uh, I was working on a scene where I needed to uh, have the perspective of a hand cutting a cake. And with something that small, you can attach it to the knife itself and just drill a hole in it and whatever, and then have the hand on the knife cutting the cake, and you get that beautiful perspective of the cake and the knife together. Or if you're trying to, you know, run around, stab somebody, and you have the camera mounted right here, that's a beautiful, like, video game-style shot that you can get with something like that. Uh, there, there are a lot of creative ways to use it, but 
Uh, for me, I don't even use it for extreme sports, and I still want battery life out of this thing. Uh, and the, the price on this, you know, there's so many cameras coming out right now in the action market area that uh, it's not very competitive. Um, Apple may roll these guys under pretty soon. They've already been patenting uh, camera systems for uh, non-phone applications. You know, all it would take is somebody else to come out with a awesome extreme camera and GoPro might not have the market cornered anymore. Uh, that's kind of been <laughs> reflected by their stock prices going up and down as these announcements from other companies come out. So who knows what'll happen there? Well, they do claim that it gets up to two hours of runtime on the battery. Do you believe that? Up to two hours. Up to, yeah. No, I don't believe it. <laughs> do you believe anybody's claims about battery life ever? No. Oh, battery no. life is the worst. Everybody gives you like, oh, yeah, this lasts forever. And then you get it and it does not. Right. Now, something I am excited about, and uh, you can hear the enthusiasm in my voice, uh, basically, <laughs> um, this guy here, and I'm going to bring up a picture of this as well. This is the palette. Uh, am I pronouncing that right, Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I am. It uh, sounds right. sounds yeah. right to me. Uh, it looks like palette. But uh, basically, this, is, this started from a Kickstarter, and it's finally coming to full production where anybody can buy it. Uh, Pre-order is $2.99, and as you can see from the image here, uh, it's basically a bunch of faders, buttons, and knobs, and each one of them is magnetically coupled with little, uh, uh, little probes on either side there that electronically hook into a head unit <laughs> called the palette, and you can set this up, magnetize it, hook it together however you want, and you can assign any of the faders, any of the knobs, or any of the buttons to any features in a program. Uh, they have it pre-set up for Lightroom and a few other photo editing applications, and the Petapixel article I linked to is, <laughs> is sort of promoting that, but what I'm excited about is video editing, because imagine writing your faders doing color adjustments, doing cross dissolves, doing opacity changes, and start and stop play without having to go to your shortcut keys on the keyboard. Mitch, would something like this make your workflow better? Hey, DJ, welcome back. Uh, you never left. I'm teasing. You just switched to your own picture there. For those of you who are watching and not listening live, uh, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, as as especially, I mean, it's the Petapixel article and and uh, some of the reviews are obviously talking about photography. And I still shoot a lot of photos. I know that's shocking, but uh, just being able to use those knobs and sliders, especially the modularity of it. Again, modularity twice in one podcast. It's awesome. I'd love to see how this really works because I get so tired of grabbing my mouse. Um, a lot of software vendors that I end up talking to get really mad at me because I'm always like, give me keyboard shortcuts. Give me some way of doing something without grabbing the mouse and having to click and drag and do stuff. And so this is really fascinating to me. Is, have you found any mention of being able to do the same thing with video? Uh, yeah, so... I'm, I'm showing the screen right now, and this is from their site. Um, they actually have the ability to assign any button or slider to any keystroke or uh, knob really? on any program. So you basically, it's a kind of a click, easy go interface. And for those of you watching, you can see uh, this is the core unit right here. Uh, here's a button, here's a dial, and they all have these little contacts on the side as well as magnets to stick together in whatever configuration you want. But uh, yeah, I like the magnets. Basically, any of the buttons or the sliders or the the knobs can be assigned uh, either a MIDI value if you're working with music. It can be assigned a, and for those who are not familiar with MIDI, that's a control language for music, fading, volume, whatever. Uh, it can also be assigned any keystroke or any set of keys. So, for example, in After Effects or in Premiere, your plus minus key to uh, increase or decrease the size of your view, you could assign that to the slider. And then as you move to one side, it hits plus a bunch of times and, and minus a bunch of times, and you're able to sort of program these. Uh, I didn't see any setups in their, their basic system for video editing yet, but it looks like it's very easy to program for. So I'm sure once people get their hands on this, there'll be something like that in the works. The base unit here 
as you can see on screen, for those of you listening, go check out the show notes. Uh, it's $2.99. <laughs> it comes with the core unit. It comes with uh, three dials, two buttons, and two sliders. Uh, that's the starter kit. And then from there, it looks like they'll be selling these individually as well. I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, I want to see what apps they'll they'll get going for this. I'm looking at the list right now, and we do have After Effects. Oh, hey, and since the last After I checked, Effects. they've added Premiere. So here's oh, really? a demo of Premiere CC with the slider unit. Uh, you can also assign colors to each one of these knobs. So uh, if you need color indication in order to figure out what's what, I, I would think buttons would be really handy for Premiere as well because imagine, you know, uh, pausing your timeline, hitting play, going to uh, record, or if you're doing multi-cam work, you could have maybe four buttons or five buttons, one for each cam, and be hitting the buttons, you know, in order to change from one shot to the other. So they, they actually have colors so that it'll display, or is that only on, I'm sorry, I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about. Uh, you so each of the square colors. units has an, uh, an RGB LED system around the outside of it. So oh, okay. you can assign an RGB color value to each one of those displays around the outside of the button. So if you want, say, your play button to be green, and your record button to be red, you can assign those color values to each one of those so that it glows on your desk red or green. And I think uh -huh. I'm looking through, I've been kind of reading up on this as much as I can, and it looks like you can also assign action color changes as well. So when you hit a button, uh, it'll change from green to red and back to green again. So for a play and stop or, or whatever, you could have it color change in that manner to figure out what's going on in your timeline. Awesome. This looks pretty sexy. Yeah, it does. Um, I want to play around with this. Uh, it's definitely on my list. I already pre-ordered the Olympus Air, so that's my spending budget for <laughs> random crap this week. But, uh, you know, maybe... This week? Yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, towards the end of the month, I can uh, add this to my lineup. Much money, buddy. We're, we need to work out some sort of a deal where you start sending me some of that money. Yeah, no, 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 I don't, I do not do that well. I do okay. Um, <laughs> now, speaking of money bits here, uh, Mitch, do you have anything else to add on this before we move on to the next thing on the list? Well, I can't see, I haven't, I'm just skimming quickly. Have you seen a price on the extra bits? I mean, are they... Uh, the videos I've watched price. from the, the company say that, uh, they'll be selling them at a reasonable price. Uh, okay. I don't know what that means, but I'm guessing if it's uh, $300 for what, six items, then we're probably looking at in the range of 30 to $40 a piece. Eight oh, items. eight items. Yeah. So there you go. So that would probably put it in the 30, $30 range per item yeah. roughly. I mean, I'm just off the top of my head here. So. Uh, hopefully those will be sold individually, and, or maybe you buy two of the two ninety nine kits and configure your own. I don't know, uh, but they're on pre order right now. No word yet on shipping dates. Pretty excited about it. I want one of these. Um, unfortunately, right now for the video listeners, uh, I've got uh, a lot of crap on my desk, so not enough room for it at this time. But uh, hopefully, at some point in the future. I will clean this room up. Uh, still moving, by the way, so that's kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, all yeah, right. There is that. Speaking of all messes right, and money, I am attempting to build a full-fledged editing system in the tiniest package possible. And to help me with that, I've got this guy right here. This is the Asus GTX 970. This is a mini ITX graphics card so it is only six inches long very very tiny and i've got this case down here if i can grab this oh okay this looks kind of big but it's really really tiny um this is basically let me use a lens as comparison this guy right here is the same size pretty much as this uh 50 to 150 olympus lens that i've got here and it, you know, it's it's tiny. This is a small, small case. This case is about 50 bucks, has enough room for a mini ITX board, a full-size power supply, and one graphics card, as well as, I believe, three 2.5-millimeter drives or two 3.5-millimeter drives, or inch drives, not millimeters. Um, so <laughs> that gives you 
a ton of processing power in something that can fit on a shelf in your living room. Uh, right now, my desktop that I work off of is a full-size tower, and it takes a lot of space. But with something like this, I could actually throw this into the back of a car and take it with me for, you know, if I have to do a presentation, I have to do editing somewhere else, and I don't have my laptop. Uh, they call that a laptop. Yeah, it is a laptop, but <laughs> I've been running into uh, kind of a threshold limit with the laptop when I'm trying to render something out. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I was working on a feature length. Well, I just went to render that, and on my desktop, it renders in about an hour and 15 minutes for a two-hour and 20-minute film. Uh, on my laptop, it renders out in about three and a half hours. Uh -huh. So, you know, the time difference there, that's the difference between me taking five for lunch, going out and getting something to eat and come back and having something to show when I've made changes to the timeline versus me waiting a long time, you know, basically coming back the next day in order to show my results. Uh <laughs> I am using proxies and I have been, uh, you know, rendering out parts of the timeline so that it doesn't have to process as much uh, After Effects clips and, uh, you know, music transitions and things like that. But still takes a lot of time and going faster than real time is really, really nice. It's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I know you're not a PC guy. <laughs> I threw this in there because I was excited about it. But now that I say it out loud, like it sounds kind of nerdy. <laughs> Let me push my glasses up a little bit here. Uh, well, you are a DSLR film noob, right? Which implies geeky, and that's okay, DJ. There's nothing wrong with that. Getting excited about a case, however, hmm, let's think about that. Yeah. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> I've got the parts breakdown in the show notes, guys, so if you do want to build something like this, um, I was able to get a lot of this stuff on Amazon uh, warehouse deals. Uh, my total price was under $800 for this build, and that includes an Intel 4770K as well as the uh, graphics card, an Azeroc uh, Z970E motherboard, and some Vengeance RAM from Corsair. So that's a pretty acceptable build. I'm stealing some SSDs out of some other systems to save on the price of this. Uh, I would expect if you were to build this from scratch with everything that I'm throwing into the system, probably looking at about $1,100 for a full-fledged, pretty solid editing machine that's very, very petite. Well, the monitor is going to kill you right that's the biggest item at the whole thing is the monitor well i would hope that you have a monitor in your home already that you're using <laughs> if you don't well, then you're not you're right. shoving it in far but of course you probably could just slap it onto the uh hdmi tv when you get to a hotel or something right yeah that's what i was thinking um or i have a couple of uh smaller sized uh 2560 by 1440 panels that I can throw at the back of my suitcase when I'm traveling. But honestly, most places I end up going to, to work, I have uh, access to screens and whatnot. Um, I generally prefer to bring my own hardware because I know what's going on. Uh, but, right. uh, you know, you can hop onto other people's systems. So it's a matter of just yanking the plug on the back of their monitor and plugging in your system. Uh, this is also probably going to spend most of its time in front of my TV in my living room uh, and only get used for that sort of thing for the next three or four months. I was able to squeeze it into the budget for some other project I was working on. So why not do it? Why not get your hands on this stuff, you know, if they're going to cover the price of all the equipment. Yeah. I, it, that also reminds me of something, and I'm going to have to look this up. Um, I mean, the question I was going to ask you was, do you ever use, have some functionality where you have your video monitor that you can connect to a computer? And I actually saw that happen once with this device that, and I can't remember the name of the vendor. I'm having a brain fart. Um, and I'll have to look that up for the next show, but that would give you the capability of use only taking one monitor, something that you could use as a, a viewable monitor while you're recording and then use it for your PC later. And I'll have to look that up. 
Uh, one of the things it does actually come in handy for, and I do take small systems with me for that, is um, if you ever have to go do promotional stuff, uh, basically that entails going to a bunch of festivals and you know standing out, answering questions, doing uh, the whole uh, show your movie and then talk about it. And you bring actors with you and so on. It's nice at your booth to have the movie like playing in the background on mute so people can watch it. And you can do that on a laptop, but it's sort of unprofessional looking and uh, it kind of turns people off. If you actually bring a decent sized computer monitor, it's generally lighter than a television itself to pack with you. And you can set that up on your table and then hook up a computer underneath of that or a laptop and play your stuff that way. Um, You can use Pico projectors or some of the other projector systems if you have an area where that's conducive to doing that sort of thing. But uh, the projector stuff is usually hit or miss depending on what you're working on. That's usually better for lectures and uh, any sort of presentation. And at that point, generally the venues have uh, projectors ready for you. You know, you keep making me think of all these things that I can't look up quickly. (laughs) Sorry. So I, I got an email that I was going to send to you the other day, and I, I forgot all about it, and I, now I can't find it. Oh, here it is. A 4K monitor for 349 bucks. Wait um, a sec. What type of panel is that? AOC. Have you ever heard of them? AOC. Worldwide leader in monitor display technology announces their 28-inch 4K monitor um, three hundred and forty-nine dollars at Micro Center. You can you can go check it out. Okay, I'll forward you this email. I'm looking at the panel right now. Let me see what the specs are on this guy. Uh, we are. Oh, you're quick. Yeah, I've got it right in front of me. Um, and actually, we'll share the screen so everybody can see what I see. Oh my gosh, what a concept! Yeah, this is pretty fancy here. Um, <laughs> taking a look here, let's see. This is a 28 inch, uh, 3840 by 2160 panel. Uh, looks like where is the frequency? It's 60. Looks like it's 60 hertz. So yeah, I saw that. And uh, this is a TN, yeah, TN style panel. So. Not super sexy, but not bad. That's mostly the exciting part is the price from the looks of this guy. Right. Because um, I, I actually bought a, a 27-inch monitor from Monoprice for 200 bucks, and it's horrible. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's not high-res in any way, shape, or form, but 350 bucks. If I can go over to Micro Center and, and have a look at it, I'll uh, do that. The one problem, well, there's several problems that you'll run into with the TN panel, and I have the uh, Samsung uh, 26507, I think is the panel number. Uh, it's a 4K panel as well, and it's TN. It's okay as long as you're right in front of it, but your off-axis viewing gets a little shifty, so it starts yeah. to kind of go color weird, uh, purplish, when you get more than uh, probably 30 degrees off a of center. And that's fine for a 27-inch panel or 28-inch panel, but you get above that, and uh, you're really kind of looking up in the corners, and that could be bad. Uh, the other issue that you run into with this is that uh, 4K on a 27-inch or a 28-inch panel, it means your text is super tiny. So um, you notice I'm wearing my glasses for the podcast, and I usually do so. It's because <laughs> the text on my screen is so small that I have trouble reading it without my glasses. Um, I'm actually really excited for the next generation of Seiki panels, which are 40 inches and 4K. And I know that sounds massive, but imagine the screen real estate you have with 40 inches and the text of the DPI will end up being about what you used to get out of a 1080p 26-inch, 23-inch panel in the past. Right. So super sexy. Very easy yeah. to read for someone who's older like me and uh, still have 4K Andy. resolution. Yeah. Cool. So well, I knew you'd be excited about monitors, so I wanted to get your input on that one. Yeah, definitely uh, report back once you've checked one of these out. Uh, the stand looks nice on it, so uh, maybe that's a good feature. The Samsung monitor I work off of right now is not that great for adjustability. Uh, so keep that in well, mind. The only, the only other thing that... that of course, for a 4K monitor, maybe I shouldn't even say this, but the one that I have 
from Monoprice. I actually have turned into portrait mode because it's rotatable. Yeah. Because I like to look at long documents on it, but I don't like that it's, you know, the old big pixels as opposed to what I'm used to now with my IMAX in front of me. It's it's hard to look at, but it was 200 bucks. So it's okay for looking at some text. All right. I'm rolling down the show notes here. And the last one looks like it's yours, Mitch. What do you got for me <laughs> here on this announcement? I want to know what your note says. It's Prime Day is coming. What is that? Okay, I I was gonna skip this, but I'm I'm excited <laughs> okay, about this. Sorry. Uh, on the 16th, I believe it's uh, Amazon Prime Day. Uh, they say uh-huh. that there'll be deals better than Black Friday. And if you go to Amazon's really? homepage right now, you'll see that there's a little little banner up here at the top. Actually, it's July 15th. I messed that up. Uh, July 15th. So that is Prime Day right here. And you click on this. And they'll have any Prime member, there's the chance to win gift cards, there's discounts on products, uh, all kinds of sales. Um, They have an entire deal on how you can win $10,000 gift card to Amazon, all kinds of fun stuff. And it's supposed to be really good. Uh, It's celebrating Amazon's, what, uh, 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary, something like that. So I'm excited for that. I'm going to hopefully scour... Amazon for any kind of deals that they've got going on, especially in the photography sort of area. Um, you might be seeing on DSLR Film Noob a running scroll of everything that's on sale on Amazon. Uh, the 15th, let me see what day that is. That is a Wednesday. I may have to yep. call in sick that day just to <laughs> take care of this. So you're saying that a lot of people won't be getting a lot of work accomplished so everybody ought to just declare a holiday, right? Exactly. I mean... Right. It's like Black Friday. <laughs> well, it, huh. uh, did you ever get on Amazon during Black Friday? They had those sort of instant deals where it was like every hour a new deal would pop up. Right. And uh, some of them were, you know, oh, here's a 24-pack of diapers for like $5. Woohoo! But uh, some of it was <laughs> like... Oh wait, here is a uh, you know a 500 millimeter barrel style lens for a uh, hundred dollars less than normal. You know they were some pretty good deals. Uh, right. The other thing to check out, and I, you know this is kind of getting into the technical buying guide, but uh, there's a site called Camel Camel Camel, and you can set products on Amazon that you want, and it tracks the prices and tells you when prices drop to the lowest point and when they get to the highest point. Uh, if you want something, but you don't want to spend the money on it, uh, that is a great way to go in order to find things on Amazon for really cheap. Uh, it, uh, huh. Amazon prices fluctuate, and so you do want to know when they drop to their lowest point. And there are seasonal things too. Uh, for instance, air conditioners. If you need an air conditioner and you try to buy it in the summer, you're looking at paying full retail price or more. But if you buy it in the winter, you can get it for as low as half or a third the price of the wow. regular unit. So, And I'm putting this in the show notes too. It's camelcamelcamel.com. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Now, this last one is yours, Mitch. <laughs> Canon Expo is coming. They do every five years. They do what they call a Canon Expo to show off their cool new stuff. Uh, it's invite only. So nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You got to know somebody. You can't just walk in and show up. It's not like NAB where you can buy something. And I have gotten an invite. So I am thrilled to be going to New York City. Uh, September 10th and 11th. That will be happening. Uh, last time. They showed off their 4K prototype, which you remember the hair dryer? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was where that was exposed for the first time using a photography term there, video term. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they're, what they're going to be talking about. And, of course, we'll be talking to people like Chuck Westfall and finding out what's really going on. And they'll tell us, yeah, we're working on stuff. But we can't tell you a whole lot about it. So are most of the prototypes <laughs> usually under glass and uh, you can't actually touch them? Or Yes, correct. That was, that was very true last time. They had, for example, they had the 120 uh, megapixel sensor 
that was an APS-C size sensor there last 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 time. I almost said last year, so it was 2010. Um, still, I don't. Uh, we've never seen that actually in production. Of course, a 120 megapixel sensor, but they showed demoing that last five years ago was fascinating. They had 4K monitors and 8K monitors back then. Uh, you know, it was all stuff that's now fairly common. Uh, but they were they were showing the 120 megapixel sensor. They had it actually hooked up to a camera. And you know how we have we talk about doing the crops. If you have a 4K camera and you can crop into 1080. Yeah. They were doing, you know, had these massive things and then they were cropping into 1080 and it was just little tiny little bookshelf so, you know, they had a book bookcase in the background and stuff. Anyway, it's just fascinating to see what they're going to come up with. So I'll be heading to that in September. And I'll probably go to B&H and Vimeo and several other places while I'm in New York. Uh, I love the B&H headquarters there. Uh, if you ever get I've a, never been. If you, uh, go talk to your B&H rep and see if you can't get a tour because the back room is pretty awesome. They're like whole shipping conveyor belt system. Very yeah. cool to check out. Uh, and I want to thank Izzy for taking me through that. So thanks, man. That was great. I loved seeing the inside of B&H. Um, definitely do that, Mitch, if you can. It's really enjoyable. I've got my request in already. So, yeah. <laughs> on that note guys uh basically i gotta go so oh, okay. i'm gonna throw this out there mitch where can people find you some uh website called and of course guys you can find me at dslrfilmnoob.com you can listen to this podcast on soundcloud you can find it on itunes you can also find it anywhere podcasts are distributed watch it on youtube or whatever else um i'm at dslrfilmnoob on twitter mitch where can people find you on twitter uh, Planet Mitch. There is a Planet 5D Twitter, but don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> on that note, guys, we'll see you next time on another exciting episode of DSLR Film Noob Podcast. <laughs>